Welcome to Sivako Road to Avatar. My name is Sean Alexander and I'll be your guide to the world of Pandora and beyond. To support this show, head on over to www.patreon.com avatarpod where you can become a patron and gain access to exclusive content. Joining me today, I have a very special guest. Special guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Uh, my name is Jared Talbot. And um, I actually uh, work for full time, rather, uh, for Mickey Blog. Um, I'm a Disney Parks reporter, but we also cover everything with Disney, whether it's you know the, uh, the you know the box office, the movies, Disney Plus, the cruise line, Disneyland, just everything within the Disney company. So, oh, I, I'm it's an absolute pleasure to have you on because I. Aside from Avatar itself, I am a big Disney fan as well. It's something I've been obsessed with for years. So being able to talk to someone who is equally <laughs> as enthralled by it is, is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. I am a fan of the podcast and I believe you're doing some some great work. And And frankly, it's awesome to see a podcast more centrally focused on on avatar because you know there's so many podcasts and shows out there these days that are just so focused on movies or or even disney itself or the parks and and i'm i'm myself i'm a host of a disney central podcast uh the mickey blog podcast so so as a podcast host myself and and a reporter and and working in the in the media world for for the disney parks it's it's sort of it's sort of uh really intriguing to be a part of your podcast today that is is more centrally focused on a on a certain franchise i think that's very cool yeah it's, it's something that i always thought was perfect because it's it's nice to work on one particular film and then work your way outwards whereas i feel a lot of podcasts especially ones that focus on film are very like general so they can cover all different areas whereas i have to kind of work my my way from a very particular point outwards to find more interesting ideas and topics to talk about yeah i think you know one of the best pieces of advice and i've been in the uh media world now for about four or five years since i graduated college but one of the best pieces of advice i got when i was studying uh journalism and production and media and all that and uh getting my bachelor's degree was that like the smaller the niche the better um and and i that's something i i do believe in uh so i think that you're really onto something here, uh, having having a podcast that is so centrally focused on on a specific franchise. I mean, and Avatar especially, I mean, what a great time to have this podcast going with how popular this franchise is becoming and and uh, and will continue to be uh, with several more movies on the way. So, yeah, it's kind of perfect time. And yeah, that's why I came came along and wanted to make this as well. Uh, so you know what? The first question I want to ask you is, how long have you been into Avatar? Then, yeah. So I I watched the original in theaters. Um, I didn't see it in IMAX like I did uh, The Way of Water, but I, I watched the original in theaters, and and I remember being there as you know just a just a thirteen year old uh, being so entranced by it and feeling like wow, this is this is incredible, but. But one of the things that sort of grew on me actually was my love of the Disney parks. And, and ever since 2017, when they first brought Pandora to Disney's Animal Kingdom, uh, that's really what made me fall a lot more in love with the franchise. 
And I don't believe I'm alone on that standpoint. I think Pandora and Disney's Animal Kingdom has brought, I would argue, almost millions more fans to the fold, uh, if not at least hundreds of thousands. And and for me, just the ride, I'm not sure if you've ever ridden Flight of Passage, uh, but the ride at Disney's Animal Kingdom and in Pandora is one of the coolest theme park rides and on the planet easily. Uh, the other ride is like a slow boat ride, and it's great. It's called Navi River Journey, but but Flight of Passage is one of those rides that you that you wake up at six a.m. to go get to the front of the park for. You run across the park for if you can do it twice in a day, you do it. So I would say that I I've been a fan of Avatar since the first movie came out, but my love for it now has grown a lot more based off of my love for Disney and the Disney parks and. And of course, now being a, a Disney Parks reporter and being in the parks as much as I am covering stories, I would I would say that that love has almost grown exponentially, mostly because of of a uh, Pandora. Yeah, and I I have luckily I've been to Pandora, like been able to do the parks and both those rides. They are worth the wait times. Whatever you end up waiting for them, it's worth it. And I remember, I think the first time I went might have been the year that it opened because we got really lucky and we were able to get a fast pass for it. This is back when fast passes were readily available. To be honest, oh, yeah. you, back when you could book them like ninety days in advance, I think it was for for us coming from the UK. And that was that was the most exciting one to book. That was like we needed to get this booked in, and that was before mm. we'd even done it before. So yeah, riding it for the first time, I remember it's just such a crazy experience. Yeah, it's it's interesting how, you know, obviously when it comes to big movies, a lot of people talk about like, oh, I remember being in the theater for the first time. Well, Flight of Passage specifically, that ride is one of those rides where it's like, oh, I remember the first time I went on that ride. And what's fascinating about it too is you don't even have to be a big Avatar fan to feel that way. It's I mean, riding on the back of a Banshee, if you're an Avatar fan, is obviously cool in itself. But if you're not an Avatar fan, still ride that ride because it's going to blow your mind. Yeah. And it's, it's like a sensory thing as well, because it's not just the visuals. It's the the wind blowing. It's the smells. There's like the feeling of like the Banshee between your legs. It's like crazy. It's just, yeah. And I would implore anyone, even if they don't care about Avatar that much, just if you get a chance to, you have to ride it. Yeah, couldn't couldn't agree more with you. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask as well, you know what, you're the first guest I get to ask this. I can now ask, what's your favorite moment from either Avatar or Avatar The Way of Water? Do you have a favorite moment from either of the films? Favorite moment from either of the films? Hmm. Well, I think that's uh that's a that's a big question. I would say, I mean, I have to go with the moment in in the sequel. Uh, specifically, what was a big difference for me was I got to see the sequel. Obviously, I watched it opening night, but I watched it in IMAX and 3D. And I bought those tickets four or five weeks in advance. So that was like, I was just so excited to see it on like the biggest screen possible and see it with the 3D glasses and everything like that. But from a from an actual like, you know, moment of the film, it, I think for me, it would have to boil down to the very end of The Way of Water, the whole confrontation with Jake Sully and, um, you know, and Quaritch. For me, I thought that moment where he he's taunting him, where Quaritch is taunting him and he says, you know, like, 
come on, let's fight it out. And of course, Natiri is telling Jake Sully, like, just, just ignore him, like move on here. And that moment where he says, let's get it done. And just sort of like shifts his head and just runs after him. I thought that was actually not just, you know, to be frank, really cool. I thought that moment, I mean, in general was also very powerful because this whole second film is about family and the whole, the whole point of the film is about protecting his family, but it's not just about family from the perspective of, you know, the kids coming into their own. I think the biggest message for me from the film that I think a lot of people almost miss out on, I think is that it's also about Natiri and Jake Sully learning how to be parents and learning what it takes to be a good, you know, mom or a good dad. And Natiri obviously naturally is a great mom, but but Jake Sully is trying to figure that out. And I think by the end of the film, he starts to finally realize his purpose, and that's to protect these children at all costs, protect his own, protect his family. And ultimately, that's why he just says, screw it, I'm coming right after you. Yeah, that moment is so good. And I think it's so refreshing as well in terms of, we so see a lot of films where they set up for like, oh, we'll fight, fight again in the future. You know, get ready for the sequel where we'll have another punch up. And instead, it was so nice just to see Jake turn around and be like, oh, you know what? I'm doing it now. I'm sorting you out now. And yeah, yeah we don't see that enough almost. It, it's really true, actually. That's a good point you just brought up because there are so many movies, especially when you know a sequel is coming. You're like, well, I, I mean, I know they're both going to survive or, you know, in this case, what's kind of interesting is, is I remember seeing the articles years ago that Stephen Lang was going to play the antagonist on all the sequels. So it's kind of, I remember going into this film being like, okay, how are they going to do that? How are they going to make the stakes high enough where you're still like afraid and still like at the edge of your seat while knowing that, you know, Quaritch is going to still be around. And I thought they did an excellent job at that. Now, it remains to be seen how they handle that in the future films. But I thought they did an excellent job of sort of handling, okay, there's still more to come with this character. But at the same time, like that fight was very much so high stakes. Let's let's do it. And for lack of better terminology, let's get it done. Like, let's just go after it. Yeah. So uh, we are talking today about something very particular. We are talking about the box office of Avatar The Way of Water. Now, before um, before I... So it was the first weekend had just come and I'd actually done a podcast with uh, my friend from Ice Cream, You Scream for the Movies, Danny. And I'd been on his podcast. We talked about that opening weekend. And now the opening weekend itself actually didn't seem to be going as well especially uh, like domestically in the US it didn't seem to do quite the big numbers that some people had suggested it would did you sort of like get that feeling yourself yeah so it, it's interesting right because i mean the opening weekend opened 446 million worldwide but which you know on the surface that's the 11th biggest opening weekend ever worldwide and <laughs> You know, but it's funny how the 11th biggest opening weekend ever for this franchise, for these movies is somehow considered like, oh, that's not very good. Right. Uh, but <laughs> but considering the budget and considering the reports that they needed to basically pass like between one point five and two billion worldwide in order to even be profitable. And it it was kind of like, oh, man, they they needed 
a bigger weekend. And a lot of the early projections saw somewhere between 500 and 550 million opening weekend. So yeah, it definitely opened up lower than people thought. And a lot of the original projections from the domestic standpoint from the US and, and Canada and stateside that those were somewhere up to even 175 to 200 million and it landed at around 134 million. So it definitely opened lower than people thought, but it's it's doing just fine now. Yeah. So yeah, when you compare like the feeling in those like after that first weekend compared to especially Avatar fans, how they feel about it now. Um, we're speaking on Thursday, the fifth of January, which is when Avatar the Way of Water has officially become the biggest box office uh, movie of 2022, uh, beating Top Gun Maverick. So yeah, like now is it feels an entirely different mood, and uh, it's nice for the Avatar community to be able to sort of wave and be like, yeah, look, we we knew it was going to happen. Yeah, honestly, because I'm you know working in the industry now and and try to keep myself as professional as possible, I I didn't do this, but I wanted really badly to go back to the original opening weekend tweets and just start tweeting at people and be like, Hey, you have anything to say in the matter now? Because man, there were so many people who were not just against this film doing well for whatever reason, but so many people who were really down and negative after the opening weekend and people saying, Oh, it's a flop and it's not going to do well. And it's, it's hilarious now to see how quiet all those people are now because this film is doing tremendously and not just tremendously. I mean, it has some of the best box office legs in the history of cinema. So it's it's incredible to see how even though it didn't open as highly as people anticipated, the numbers now are just are just bonkers. They're they're just crazy. Yeah. Is there like a particular statistic that jumps out to you that's like the big like, oh, this is the moment that it changed for it? Well, I think for starters, it it benefited from its release date in the sense where it was going to release before the holidays. And, you know, I thought that was huge for it. But another part, you know, just to go back a little bit, uh, another part of this whole box office run that had me initially nervous was its opening weekend in China. Now, China, it was a huge deal that this got a China release. But China actually has been going through a lot of stuff, obviously, with, with the COVID-19 uh, virus, and, and they had so many theaters shut down. But it was interesting because before this huge wave of COVID came in, there was original projections, like literally just a week before it opened, that it could be one of the biggest week opening weekends ever in China. And the reason I bring all this up is because one of the statistics now that is really blowing me away is how it is actually doing in China because it it opened around 65 million in China opening weekend and some original projections were projecting at 185 to 200 million just in China alone opening weekend and it opened way lower than that a lot of it was covid related but i had this feeling and i had this thought like oh you know give it a few weeks though and if it's still in all these theaters when all these people who currently have COVID, which at the time record numbers, tens of millions and across the country, when they are recovered and they feel better, they can go back to the cinema. 
it's going to make a lot more money. And it did. And it is right now. I mean, for example, it's now made over 175 million in China and is and is on track to make over 200 million, um, you know, even as early by the end of this weekend. And, and that's a huge deal for its global box office. So that's a number that's really stuck out to me personally. But but for me, obviously, as of today, as you mentioned, we're recording here on, on the 5th of January. And as of today, it passed Top Gun Maverick, but it didn't just uh, pass Top Gun Maverick. It it also passed uh, Avengers, you know, and it, it's now technically the ninth highest grossing film of all time. And the next two films after that are, you know, uh, The Lion King and, you know, you got... Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the sixth highest grossing film, that's at $1.9 billion. So it's 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 rapidly approaching, you know, some of these films in the top 10 highest grossing list. And that that to me is is really, really impressive. Yeah, and it's it's something to say that it's not only, you know, taken that sort of success. Obviously, the first weekend for the first Avatar, A1 didn't do a lot because it had a big storm and I know there was a lot of trouble there domestically at the time, but the legs on it continued really well. And it seems like the way of water's doing the same thing where people are just seeing it. It doesn't matter what time in a week, they're still going to see it, you know, like after work and things like that. And it's, it's hard to fit a three hour movie after work. So I'm surprised these numbers haven't dropped further in a way. Yeah. And I do think obviously now that we are past the holiday season and worldwide, there was people all over the globe who weren't working last week and, and even leading up the week before leading up to Christmas. So, so there was so many people globally that weren't working and had all day, every day to go see this film. But now uh, that people are returning to work, you'd expect these numbers to drop down but it's just not really happening. In South Korea, for example, we're seeing drops of less than 30% on a daily basis from, from this Tuesday compared to last Tuesday. We're seeing in you know Italy the same sort of thing. And in France, it's a massive hit in France. I mean, it's, it's just really impressive how on a global scale, it's just holding incredibly well and it just has legs. That's what they call it in the box office industry, when a film, you know, for those who don't know, when a film is is holding or still making lots of money, you know, week in, week out, and day in, day out, that that's called a film having really good legs. And that's exactly what this film has. It has tremendous legs. And so to sort of uh, wrap a bow on that point, basically, if, if we were to look at even earlier this week, on the 3rd of January, on Tuesday, it was its third Tuesday ever, it made $10.4 million the domestic box office that is the highest third tuesday ever in the history of film and in this past monday it made over 20 million dollars and had the highest third monday in the history of film so when it comes to making money in the box office it is not all about that opening weekend and that's what many people who were all doom and gloom and worried after you know that film dropped uh and after the opening weekend numbers came in they weren't really thinking about, they weren't realizing like, oh man, this is about the long term. And now they're learning like, as this film keeps going up the all time record books, that that's what's really important is the longevity of it all. 
Yeah, and it's so interesting to compare it to something like, let's compare it to, like, say, Avengers Endgame, where it was very heavily front-loaded. You know, it made a billion in the opening weekend alone, I think. Yeah. So you compare that to what Avatar did, made half amount, but it's still, it's going to continue to make those bigger amounts for longer. And I think it's to do with that, a bit of spoiler culture, where people are so obsessed with stuff like Avengers and Star Wars, where they need to see it the first weekend so they don't get spoiled. Whereas Avatar, it doesn't really matter if you get anything spoiled in this film. I'll be honest, there's not a lot to spoil. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I think James Cameron has found this sort of sweet spot with this franchise where it is a franchise and you can absolutely get attached to it. But there's also the element of families just going or or there's the element of the movie watchers who want to see it in IMAX or want to see it on the biggest screen or want to see it in 3D. Like this film applies to so many different crowds. And it's like you said, you don't, I mean, it's not such a spoiler type of movie. It's, it's not like Star Wars or Avengers Endgame or, or any of the Marvel films. I mean, I remember when Infinity War came out and Endgame came out. And if you didn't watch that movie on that opening weekend and you went on social media, you were going to get it spoiled. Like it, it was just the way it was. And so that's a that's a good point what you just brought up right there i mean uh, avengers endgame in its first five days made 1.2 billion dollars which is a record that frankly will probably never be touched again but but either way i mean there's some projections right now which i'll talk about in a little bit that has uh you know avatar the way of water getting getting pretty close to avengers endgame by the time we're all said and done so it really just goes to show you that it's it's not always about that opening weekend. It's about how a movie holds. And this is exactly what happened with the first Avatar. And it's exactly what happened with Titanic. I mean, this is what James Cameron does. He makes these movies that don't just play well the opening weekend. They play well for weekends and weekends to come. Yeah. And what's exciting is we're now... We're getting a Titanic re-release in like a month's time as well, which means if you want to, you could go see two three-hour James Cameron films back to back in the cinema, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is probably the most challenging you could ever like put yourself through. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing to try to hold, you know, your bladder and not go to the bathroom during one of these films, but good luck trying to do it back to back. I mean, these these movies are long and. And it's, it's really impressive how that's another factor, right? You, it, it was interesting because dating all the way back to the first Godfather movie, you know, that was, of course, back made in the 70s, um, which at the time was the biggest movie ever when it got released and everything and, and made the money that it made. Studio executives were so, so highly against releasing that film because it had like a three-hour runtime. They were saying, oh, a three-hour runtime will never make enough money. And the reason for that is because if you have a two-hour movie, you can get more showings in than a three-hour movie. I mean, you can only have, let's say, two or three uh, 3D showings in a day for uh, th for you know a three-hour film, and you might be able to have a fourth for a two-hour. So that's an interesting factor. And of course, The Godfather was made, and you know, France Ford Coppola sort of made the... Uh, the uh, studio executives look stupid there, but either way, um, James Cameron continues to do that. There's not a single executive or producer or anybody out there who could look at James Cameron and say, hey, 
make your movie shorter because clearly he has proven that it doesn't matter. Yeah, definitely. So I want to bring up specifically about the third weekend, which I think is the one to me which stands out as being like, oh, this is the like the the point where people, especially doubters, had to like suddenly be like, oh no, I've made a mistake here. And that's the fact that the third weekend, it did better than it did in the second weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, how mind-blowing is that? This is, and Luis uh, Fernando, who I believe you actually follow as well on Twitter. Um, he, he is a is, legend. He, yeah. The amount of stats he throws out every single day is incredible. Yeah, he's he's an amazing follow for anybody who's listening who wants to learn more about the box office and wants to sort of get into it if you just if you follow him and you follow all those tweets and how he does the tracking and the comparisons and lays it all out and does lists of you know where a film ranks compared to other films it's it's tremendous so he does a great job and and interestingly enough he he obviously covered you know the third weekend and what he called it was a box office anomaly and that that's an impressive thing to say because like you said it didn't just it, it, it made more money than the second weekend. And you could argue, oh, well, the, there was weather issues in the U.S. I, I don't really care how much weather issues there were in the U.S. because it's still just, it's completely unheard of for a movie to make more money in the third weekend than the second. It actually made 6% more money on the third weekend than it did in the second. Again, another box office world record. So when I say this movie is breaking records, it it quite literally is. Every every week, every weekend, it's sometimes on weekdays, like it did on Monday and Tuesday of this week. It's it's tremendous what it's doing. So right now we sit at about one point five billion. So what is it looking like going forward? Where do we think it's gonna end up going? Yeah, so you know, to bring up Luis again, he actually for the first two weeks or so was projecting this film to land at about 1.6 to 1.9 billion. Obviously those projections started to change and they changed upwards rapidly. Uh, you know, it eventually it became 1.7 to 1.9, 1.7 to 2 billion. And, and all of a sudden after this third weekend, his projections are now anywhere between 2.2 billion to 2.8 billion. Now, what that means is if that is the case, if it continues to play the way that it is, then that means we're looking at the either second or third biggest film ever, right behind the first Avatar film. And, you know, another thing too is this isn't even accounting future re-releases, which I'm sure you already know Avatar re-releases do extremely well worldwide. Uh, they have done... So extremely well in fact just last year a re-release of the first avatar in china made another 75 million which is is crazy for a re-release so so either way to answer your question and and to go more about where it's projecting and where it's it's looking it it's looking truly like it's two billion dollars is an absolute certainty at this point um in fact i i can see it passing no way home as early as uh not this weekend but next and uh and being in the two billion uh range by the sixth week it's in theaters and and there's two films right there avengers infinity war that made uh two billion 48 million uh and then star wars the force awakens which made two billion 69 million 
those two films, it'll pass both of those pretty quickly. And I believe it's going to land somewhere in the uh, 2.1 to $2.3 billion zone, somewhere in there. Uh, and, and I think it's very possible it passes Titanic at this point to become the third biggest film in the history of, of cinema. That's just an incredible achievement. And I think, again, you know, we the problem is this sounds like i'm just constantly praising james cameron on this podcast i am because this is an avatar <laughs> podcast but it, he's done it three times now this is ridiculous yeah. it's getting to a point where you know if he stops making movies we're not going to see anything like this you know we're, we're honestly watching records be broken that will just not happen again i don't think yeah in fact uh that you bring that up uh specifically when it comes to james cameron as of today, again, we're we're recording this on the fifth of January. But as of today, when he crossed one point five billion, according to uh, Eric Davis, who's another great follow, if you're interested in box office news, he uh, he was tweeting out how James Cameron became the third or the first uh, director in history to have three movies that he directed gross over one point five billion dollars. So it it's a, it's true. This is the third time he's done this now. And let's say hypothetically. You know, even if, uh, you know, The Way of Water finishes fourth, you know, behind Titanic and, and grosses $2.1 billion, uh, that, that still means he's got three of the four biggest films in the history of cinema. I mean, that's just, it's crazy. We'll never see anything like that again. And, and honestly, I don't even know the next time we're going to see a movie make as much money as this movie's going to make. I mean... I guess until the next Avatar comes out, uh, maybe I'll change my mind. But but frankly, I don't I don't think personally the third movie will even make as much money as this one is making. Uh, it's not to say that it can't, because you know, doubt James Cameron at your own risk. But uh, I just I just don't know the next time we're going to see a movie make this much money. Yeah, that's such an interesting situation to be in as well because. Yeah, like what the competition that it's faced are things like the Star Wars films, which are currently in this sort of like loophole of not being able to, you know, they haven't released a one in the cinema for how many years now? Like three years, four years? Yeah, it's been four years actually. Crazy. Uh, the last, I know it's crazy to think about uh, three oh, over three and a half something like that. But but yeah, the last time we saw a Star Wars film in theaters was twenty nineteen. So it it is crazy to think about that because when Disney first bought the rights to star wars they wanted a new star wars movie out basically every year if not you know every other year but star wars is you know um ironically my biggest fandom that's that's what i follow and i i love the most but either way we don't even know the next time we're gonna see another star wars film so it's true how you know it with these types of numbers it's just fascinating to me how like Honestly, when Avengers Endgame came out, I remember between the opening weekend and even how well it played for a long time after that, I remember thinking to myself like, oh man, there is no way a movie is going to come close to Avengers Endgame or the first Avatar. Like, we're never going to see something like that. Maybe in 30 years when ticket prices for movies are $30, but I just don't, I didn't think that was possible. And here we are. And like I said, Luis Fernando can see, uh, according to his latest tweets, uh, he's projecting 
you know, the way of water to reach up to 2.8 billion, which would technically beat Avengers Endgame. And that, again, you mentioned about Avengers and I'm, you know, the next sort of big Avengers films are the ones like, I think Secret Wars is the, the next big one that they're doing. And I don't even see, you know, the way people view Marvel has changed in this last year. None of the Marvel movies made a billion dollars this year, which is um, at the beginning of the year, I had the, I think I might have had them all down as maybe making a billion dollars, and yeah, it's sort of the. It feels like the there's a shift in a way in the movie industry, and I think it might be you know we see things like Top Gun Maverick and Avatar: The Way of Water, which are taking a different approach to the way the box office needs to run, in terms of hey look we're not front loading these films with a big box office in the first weekend. People could just go see it at some point during the five six week run we do it for. And I think that might change how we do, like, everyone sees cinema going in the future. And I hope that's how we see streaming change as well, because I know there's a big thing about, like, oh, you need to watch a show in the first week of its streaming, otherwise it doesn't count towards its statistics and it will get cancelled. <laughs> no, I mean, I I couldn't agree with you more there. I, I think, you know, this is a great and classic example, in a way, of, like, quality over quantity. You know, because one of the biggest complaints when it comes to the Marvel universe, when it comes directly to to Phase Four, and and how you were just talking about it, how there there seems to to been a shift, is people feel like they're they're almost just rushing and putting as many Marvel movies out as possible, without thinking as much about the quality. And frankly, outside of a few projects in the last few years that that Marvel's put out. There's been a lot of not so great stuff that they put out. And and it's not just me who thinks that. I mean, like from a critic standpoint, they're not getting good ratings. And so I do think there's going to be more of an emphasis on, you know, on quality, which is what Top Gun Maverick and both The Way of Water, those were probably my two top films of the past year. And and it wasn't just because they made the most money. I mean, I've watched I watched, you know well over 50 to 100 movies last year that came out in 2022 and and they still are probably my two top favorites and the reason for that is because they they're just such great cinema experiences but they're also great movies it's not just a movie you're watching that is oh great you get to see a new character that you haven't seen in a while which is half the time what these avengers films are about it feels like nowadays or what the Marvel movies are about. It's like a cameo or a cool character you get to see. Like they're these films don't focus on that. They just focus on making a quality movie. Yeah. And to me, that's what I want more of. You know, I do watch all the Marvel things. I watch all the Star Wars things. I, I, I watch them as much as anyone else probably does. But to me, I prefer something like an Avatar or a Top Gun that can like grab my attention and hold me in my seat for two and a half hours and I'm honestly glued to the screen. I don't even care what else is going on around me. Whereas with yeah. the Marvel ones, I'm sort of sitting there waiting to be like, okay, so when's the next like thing you're going to show me that I'm meant to go, oh, look, I know that thing. And I feel like, especially last year, I think uh, Doctor Strange was the, the worst example of that in a way. Yeah, it's it's interesting you say that. So were you? did you watch No Way Home in theaters, I'm guessing? I did, but I watched it like a week later because I didn't want to deal with the crowds. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you. 
Now, I knew it, they were going to be in it. It's look, it was so obvious. <laughs> yeah, it they didn't do a good job at hiding the fact that all three Spider-Man were going to be in there. But it was one of those things where I remember watching that and obviously I got very excited, but that was actually the first moment in time where I noticed myself not being as invested in these Marvel movies and and the constant stream of content that I used to be. Because that's where I feel things started to shift with them, where they started to focus too much on fan service and adding that extra character or the cameo or, you know, teasing this or teasing that. And Endgame felt like, just to me, it felt like exactly that, the end. It felt like such a good closing of the whole Marvel chapter. And it's not to say that Marvel shouldn't continue because I'm just like you. I watch every single Marvel movie and show. Like, I love it. I'm not saying I dislike it. I'm saying the shift that has happened is noticeable in the sense where Multiverse of Madness, like you just said, I mean, they hyped that movie up so much. Like, it was going to be this way bigger thing than it was. And half the movie was just like, hey, look at this character. You remember them, right? Like, that That to me is is a weak version of storytelling like you're focusing more on what you think kids and fans and stuff will come see compared to actually making a good story because it doesn't matter what cool characters you you add in it if the story's not actually good yeah definitely i feel like i feel like i'm on the same page with you there in terms of yeah no way home was like the turning point for me as well in that i yeah noticeably was like wait a second, do I actually, like, what am I caring about this? Or is it you're just throwing shiny things in my face and hoping I <laughs> like it? <laughs> yeah, and that's it's, it's so true. Because, don't get me wrong, being there opening night and seeing Tobey Maguire and the Spider-Man that I grew up with and seeing Andrew Garfield and seeing all these characters, I remember being excited about it. Don't get me wrong. But it was when I watched it again, or even a third time, where I was like, did they just sort of dupe me a little bit? Like, did they just sort of trick me into being like, oh, this is so much cooler than it really was? Like, it's like you said, like they put shiny objects in our face instead of actually telling us a really good story. And I'm not saying No Way Home is a bad story because I I really enjoyed No Way Home, but I just felt like that was the shift. Yeah. Uh, for, better, for better or for worse, in a way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So... Now that we're sort of in a stage where obviously we're still halfway through basically Avatar's run, there is also nothing for it to compete against up until Ant-Man comes out in, what, over a month's time? Yeah, so, February 17th. Yeah, like, it's kind of interesting to see how we're going to be looking at things come the time Ant-Man releases to be like, yeah, did was it a good idea that everyone just cleared the path for them? Yeah, I think it's... I think it's sort of interesting how Avatar really scared everybody off, right? I mean, there were some movies that were supposed to be released during this time period. I mean, at one point, obviously, The Flash has been delayed 49 times, but we've seen uh, Aquaman get delayed a full year. That was supposed to get released this December. Uh, We had, you know, Shazam was supposed to get released a lot sooner. That got pushed back. There was just so many different franchise films that actually like literally fully got out of the way because they were so worried about how much money Avatar was going to make. And I think that was the wrong decision. I really do because 
Avatar is going to make its money no matter what. But that doesn't mean your movie can't make money here. Because now that everybody's seen this movie, we got a month here, like we just talked about, five weeks, where people are like, okay, what am I going to go watch at the movie theater now? Yeah, so, so that's it. And right now, I think the only other options are, I know Puss in Boots is in theater in the US, and I think Megan's coming out in the next week or two as well. But that's about it. There's not a lot else in terms of choice. So I feel like Avatar is just going to happily keep plodding along for, the, for these next few weeks and keep raking in that money, thankfully. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with this, if if there's studio executives, not not that Disney's worried about, you know, uh, the way of water knocking off any of their previous films because they're making their money either way. But, you know, if they're studio executives who are sitting around thinking to themselves like, ah, oh, man, you know, uh, they're going to take over this film or they're going to take over this film or I can't believe they made this much money. You know, you you can't really sit around and blame anybody but yourselves at this point because it has no competition and it's it has nobody going against it outside of like you said megan which is supposed to make quite a bit of money for for the type of movie it's that is being released for being a horror film but it's like we're we're looking at a movie here that is just going to keep making tons of money every weekend and now coming up on the fourth weekend it's projected and looking at you know somewhere in the realm of of 40, 40 million, 50 million, which would be just crazy for a fourth weekend. And it's, it, that's just crazy to me that it could make that much in the domestic box office again. And, but frankly, like what's stopping it from continuing to do that, you know? Mm, definitely. So I'm, I'm assuming that you believe that Avatar 3 and 4 and 5 will be made at this point then, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's safe to say it. So it, it was interesting because the reason I started actually rooting for this box office, like I'm a fan of the franchise and I, and I'm like, I said, I'm a fan of the first film. I'm a fan of the second film and I'm a huge fan of the theme park land and animal kingdom, which I believe outside of Harry Potter world and universal uh, studios, Orlando is the best theme park land out there. Um, I haven't seen Nintendo world and there are other theme park lands that get lots of love and rightfully so, but for me, Pandora is in that upper tier of incredible theme park lands. And, you know, we can even talk about that in a little bit in terms of, I think there might be some expansions coming down the line. Uh, and I've spoken to people directly who believe that too. But either way, uh, I mean, I think it's very safe to say they're going to make four and five. I mean, not only is this Disney's biggest hit in a long time. I mean, it's Disney's biggest hit since 2019. That, I mean, when you think about it, there hasn't been a film that Disney has released that has made over a billion dollars since, you know, uh, The Rise of Skywalker. It's crazy to think about that. But No Way Home was released by Sony and Disney got a piece of the pie. But this is the first big, big, gigantic hit that is under the Disney umbrella, basically only. So I don't just think four and five are going to be made. I think don't be surprised if we see extended cuts of the films get released on Disney Plus where they drop it like James Cameron's talking about in five, six, seven episodes of an extended cut of The Way of Water. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see an expansion on the theme park, which, like I said, I 
have it on some decent authority that might actually happen someday. So I just think that the possibilities are endless here. That's so exciting to hear. I've actually got an episode coming up in the future where me and a um, my friend um, Jordan, who was on the first ever episode where we talked about the uh, Parker Animal Kingdom, we're going to do some speculation on what we would want it to, to be included in Animal Kingdom and, well, all the, anywhere else in across Disney parks for Avatar. And I feel like that's going to be so fun to like see what we come up with as ideas and see what actually comes to fruition. Because yeah, like, why wouldn't they? It's clearly, Pandora is a huge success. The line, like, the, the the wait times are so ridiculously high still. And, yeah, like, surely they just want to bring more people in. Yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, Animal Kingdom, you know, for a long time was considered as a half-day park. That's what people used to call it. Like, you, you can do everything in that park and spend the rest of the day at the pool, you know, and... But Pandora got released, and it's so incredible that you got to see it during the daytime. You got to see it at nighttime. You got to go on both rides. You have to try the food because the food there is also extremely good. So it just feels almost like a no-brainer to at this point to expand it because by the end of this run, let's say it finishes third all time, you know, the way of water. You, you mean to say you're not going to further capitalize on a franchise that has two of the top three biggest films in the history of cinema i mean it's there's just no chance that they don't just they don't do more with this i wouldn't be surprised if we get you know pandora over in disneyland paris someday or we get pandora over in tokyo or shanghai and you know it it wouldn't shock me if we got like a replica of the exact park we have now disney's animal kingdom but i personally just believe we're going to get a third or fourth ride uh at pandora and animal kingdom someday i think this land is going to get expanded because there's so much space over by animal kingdom anyways for those who aren't familiar with Walt disney world property there's a lot of space over there and so i just think they can absolutely do a lot more and they probably will super exciting and it's kind of good to hear that there is maybe some like murmurs of things already sort of in in the works as well because i i always love to hear that there's going to be more avatar stuff yeah, yeah. I, I mean, as a as a park reporter myself, and I've I've started to develop, and and I'm still pretty young and early on in my career at this point. But I have I've definitely developed a a level of sources within the the Disney um you know uh, bubble, and I've definitely spoken to a few people. Um, obviously, not going to name any names here, but I'm I've all, I've spoken to a few people who who have all basically confirmed the same thing. And that's that, you know, if these movies do well, then, you know, Disney and the parks are going to do more with with Avatar and Pandora. So, I mean, James Cameron has already pitched, you know, uh, Bob Iger on doing uh, new sort of projections and, and video screens for Flight of Passage that are related more to, like, the sequels. So I think bare minimum, we'll see, like someday you'll go on flight of passage and you'll get like three or four or five different experiences you could uh, end up getting um, where you're, you're going through different habitats and different areas of the Pandora landscape, which is exciting in itself. But again, I, I don't think it, it ends there. I just, if I, if I were a, a, 
a betting man here. Um, I would put, frankly, a lot of my chips in the center of the table to believe that they are going to do a lot more with Avatar when it comes to the Disney parks. Oh, awesome. So any final thoughts on with regards to the box office? What do you think? Yeah, like what what do you think people going to expect for the next few weeks ahead? Well, you know, and and I know we've mentioned this several times about this, uh, you know, episode being uh, recorded on the fifth because I'm not sure exactly when this episode will be released out to the public. But I mean, where we stand right now, uh, looking at, you know, one point five, two billion dollars and, you know, just passing Fast and Furious 7, just passing Avengers, you know, now officially the ninth biggest film of all time. We got The Lion King and Jurassic World are next on that list. And and that those are both going to be crossed this upcoming weekend by the 7th, 8th. You know, so you're going to be looking at as early as not this weekend, but next weekend, it possibly passing Spider-Man No Way Home. And by the by that six week flirting with with two billion dollars. And again, that would very rapidly put it as the fourth biggest movie of all time. So it's going to be fun to track these next couple weeks specifically because, you know, it's going to start passing, you know, these, these big films in the top 10 now, uh, for a while it was like, Oh, cool. It's passing. It's now 22nd biggest all time, or it's 17th. And, but now that it's actually in the top 10, it's going to be very exciting to see where it actually finishes because in my opinion, it'll finish either three or fourth all time, which is just, I mean, incredibly successful and bigger than honestly almost anybody could have predicted and it, and i don't know about you but to me this whole experience with this movie and this box office and i'm curious your thoughts on it too is like for me it feels like almost a perfect example of how twitter and social media it's not the real world you know like it's not what people actually think there's so many people on social media who are like, oh, it's only going to make one billion and or it's only going to make it's not even going to make a billion and all this. All these people who sometimes the minority is loud, but that doesn't mean they're they're correct here. And it's it's been almost fun to watch this movie prove doubters literally worldwide wrong on a week to week basis. Yeah, it's something, yeah, I've definitely thought about this, and specifically about Twitter, and I think it covers other places as well. Uh, Reddit as well, I think this covers as well. In terms of, yeah, people are very much in their own bubble, and they are, like, bouncing, like, numbers and statistics off each other constantly. So, obviously, you're hearing all the same things coming back at you, so, obviously, you're, like, reaffirming your own thoughts. Whereas something that I found really interesting is that I believe that Avatar is still the most liked page on Facebook. Now, I think that's a more, like, showing of what the general consensus, like the, the not online people are, like, what they enjoy. Because, you know, even, you know, back in 2009, it was only Facebook, basically, at that point, I believe. <laughs> like, I know Twitter existed, but it was nowhere near what it is today. Yeah, and that's a good point. So I think that, you know, if you compare that to be like, yeah, like there's a whole, you know, generations of people who don't use social media who will want to see this because they saw the first one 13 years ago and they had a great time and they're ready to just do it again. And I think that's the, they've been proven that that's the audience that James Cameron wants into the theatre. Those are the ones who will come once or twice a year 
And guess what? They've come twice because they've seen Avatar twice. Oh, yeah. And and the truth is another thing that, you know, especially Twitter, um, you know, within the United States and all that, there's so many people here who try to act like Avatar wasn't culturally relevant or, you know, first of all, I don't even know what that means, you know, because everyone's got a different definition on what that means at this point. But even if that was the case and Avatar, the first Avatar made over 700 million in the domestic box office. So it did just fine. That's a top five film ever in the domestic box office. But my point being, and and what I'm trying to say here is that even if the film wasn't going to do that well to dom- domestically, which right now the way of water is projected to make, you know, probably in the 700 millions by the time it's all said and done domestically, which again, top five film ever in the domestic box office. But so even if that was the case, they'd be wrong. But the truth is, is that this whole franchise is a globally loved franchise. And that's, that's what's different about it. So, so it's just, it's fascinating. It's been so fascinating to track it. And, uh, and I just, I think I would just implore fans to expect it to, to, past some of these other big films in the coming weeks. I, I know that was sort of your, in terms of my final thoughts here and, and where we can expect this to go here. I just, I think fans can really expect this movie to to be passing some of these all-time other big films like The Lion King and Jurassic World this weekend and No Way Home the weekend after that. I mean, we're looking at a movie that's going to be in the top five, top four, top three here within the next three weeks, which is just really, really incredible. Yeah, very exciting times for all. So yeah, I want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and you have enlightened me with some of these uh, box office statistics. So where is the best place for people to find you? Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of your uh, of some of your work. I've listened to several of your episodes and, and uh, you know, I'm just, I'm a big fan of, of what you're doing here. But in terms of finding some of the work that I do. I, I work full-time for Mickey blog, which is uh, one of the bigger Disney blogs out there. We cover the theme parks, obviously Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and you know the worldwide theme parks. But we also cover movies in the box office and Disney Plus and company news. And basically, I just cover Disney full-time. And, and uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on you know Instagram and everything like that. But you can find I, I help run a lot of those company pages. So you can find our our Mickey blog Instagram page if you'd like or or on TikTok. And and other than that, I'm I'm the host of the Mickey Blog podcast and we release episodes every Friday. Uh, but essentially on that podcast we we discuss everything, um, everything Disney from from biggest headlines. We have on lots of special guests. We've already had on a few special guests, including um, two Disney Imagineers. Who helped uh, who helped build some of the biggest attractions in the world? We got some other very special guests lined up, so so definitely you can check out uh, the Mickey Blog podcast, which is on all platforms, and and listen to that. But other than that, you can you can find me on basically any of the Mickey Blog pages. Amazing, yeah! Thank you all for listening. Hope you all have had a good time listening. Enjoy. Maybe go see Avatar again. Why not? You want it to hit two billion? Go see it one more time. <laughs> so uh, yeah, until next time. Thank you all and goodbye. Thank you for listening. This week's episode is dedicated to our patrons Eric Scrock and Patrick Regal. To become a patron, 
visit www.patreon.com slash avatarpod. <laughs>